possible, right? And what I didn't understand was that God was really trying to destroy my idol of comfort um, and really show me that if, if I didn't destroy it, then my worship to him would not be complete and it wouldn't be true um, and it wouldn't grow at all. And I think that was a big thing that I needed to understand. You know, I justified myself um, by saying things like, you know, if I'm going to be effective in singing that song, then I'm going to need at least a week in advance notice to prepare, okay? So don't come to me the day before and tell me that you want me to sing a song. Don't, don't ask me two days before. Don't ask me right before the service. You know, I'm going to say no, and I believe that that's what God would want me to do because God is a God of order. You know, um, and so that that was the justification that I really told myself, you know, and I learned along the way that my mindset was completely wrong. Um, let's turn and see uh, Genesis 22, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 5. The Bible reads, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Before this, Abraham was pretty faithful for, faithful to God. You know, he had a few bumps in his discipleship, um, but I think we can pretty much agree that Abraham was, you know, faithful to God. Um, and this is how I viewed myself. You know, I really believed, like, okay, I had some bumps in the road with singing up on stage and serving in this capacity, but now that I'm doing it, you know, I'm area, um, and, and I'm pleased, as sure, as I'm sure my father is pleased, right? And that was my mindset. You know, I can imagine Abraham, you know, being really proud about himself, you know, after his, his bad moments in discipleship, clearly he did something right, because at this point, God had blessed him with the thing that he, like, really, really wanted, um, and it, it was a son. And I, I attributed the same to myself. You know, back when I was a teen, I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to serve in that capacity. And now that I was, I was like, amen, God's pleased because I, I overcame that and now I'm serving in that capacity. You know, I thought creating my own comfort must be doing good, right? It must be doing good if, if God allowed me to keep going and to keep serving this capacity, right? Um, but what I wasn't understanding was that I created this this comfort that was now preventing me from taking my worship to God higher. And and with that realization, I had to really go back and read the scripture in a way that I could apply it to myself and really understand it. So if you go if if you guys go back to the scripture, we're just gonna read from verse one to three, but this is how I had to read it. Sometime later, God tested Dylan. He said to him, Dylan, here I am, he replied. 
Then God said, take your comfort, all of your comfort, which you love, and go to the service, or to the Devo, or to the midweek, sacrifice it there as an offering where and when I show you to. You know, and reading the scripture like this really convicted me because I was able to see like, wow, all this time God was really trying to have me get rid of that comfort. And maybe this is exactly why he put me in these uncomfortable situations and allowed me to go through them because they were a test to see what I would do. Right? And in verse 5, Abraham considered this very act of sacrifice, worship to God. You know, he said, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back. And I think that's exactly the way that we need to think about um, worship. We need to think about it in the same way, right? And I would even ask you guys and, and encourage you to ask yourselves, you know, what is it that God wants me to give up that's getting in the way of me worshiping him more? You know, knowing how uncomfortable uh, singing could be for me, I tried to be like Abraham, you know, I got up and proceeded to follow through with God's commands. Uh, However, when I got to that place, I wasn't fully willing to destroy the comfort. Right? There was a major difference in my worship of Abraham. Let's continue reading. Genesis 22, let's read from 9 to 12. It says, when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You know, the difference in my worship to God and Abraham's worship was that Abraham was 100% willing and was going to kill his son. He, he was going to do it. The angel had to stop him. There was no hesitation, it said. And, and without that intervening, you know, Abraham's son could have been killed by Abraham's own hand. And that was the difference because I was not willing to destroy my comfort in that way. And I thought I was. You know, I would come to the service knowing that I was already uncomfortable. And I would still say, no, I don't want to sing that song. I'm sorry. I can't do that. That's, uh, that's too much for me. You know? And I really had to take a look at myself because... You know, I imagine myself climbing up that mountain with, with the idea that, okay, God is saying get rid of this comfort, and I knew that. Okay, I'm going to go to the service, God. I'm going to get rid of this comfort. Um, and, and just like Abraham, you know, I grabbed my tools to be able to destroy that comfort, and I lifted my hand to strike the comfort, and I hesitated because I thought, okay, God, you're supposed to come in now. You're supposed to intervene and let me keep the comfort. You know, you let Abraham keep the son. You know, what I realized was that our true worship is to follow God and obey him no matter what the choices he has for our lives. You know, if, if it's God's will to have me in a situation where I'm a little bit uncomfortable, I need to be able to, to, to withstand that. Um, 
and not on my own, but the fact that I'm in there means that God believes that I can do it. Right? You know, I'm, I'm so thankful for us going through the spiritual uh, disciplines because I think it's revealed so much like areas in my worship that I need to grow in, not just this one area. Um, and so I have some practicals for you guys uh, to be able to use to not o- not only repent in your worship, but any of these spiritual disciplines, okay? So my first practical is to examine yourself regularly. You guys don't have to turn there, but you can write it down. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, it says, So, if you believe you are standing firm, be careful that you do not stumble. The definition of examine is to inspect in detail someone or something to determine their nature or condition. When James is going through all of these uh, spiritual disciplines, I really have to examine my own spiritual walk within each one of these disciplines and really identify where the areas that I need to grow, where the areas that I need to attack. Um, And I think we need to do the same. And the Bible even talks about this in Acts 17, verse 11. It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And I think that needs to be that needs to be our heart, that needs to be our intention while going through these uh, spiritual disciplines. You know, I would encourage you all to examine yourself spiritually while going through all of these because it's always room for improvement, right? We follow a perfect God and that means that we always can identify something that we can be better in. Practical number two, pray about it. First John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, we need God, we need God's help to be able to work on these areas because if it was, you know, we we can't do it on our own. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. Sometimes we can't even identify it in ourselves on our own. And so we're going to need to be constantly in prayer to God with anything we need to work on because with his help, in this way, we can become better. You know, going through a spiritual discipline for a whole month is hard. There's a lot that's going to be revealed uh, that you might need to work on. Um, And sometimes it can be a little discouraging, but if you take it to God, you can become better in it. And Luke 1 verse 37 says, for with God nothing will be impossible, and we need to believe that. Okay? My third and final practical is be open with others. You guys know this scripture well, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. You know, we need others to help us become better for God. Asking people around us those very questions that we may not want to ask ourselves. Um, You know, and God will always provide a way for us to grow and to become better when we do those things. You know, a side note, a little while ago, I had a short conversation with the Maudi, um, and I just mentioned to him, I said, Maudi, like, please don't let up on me. Please keep challenging me. And his, his first response was, was laughter. He laughed at me. Um, and then he said, are you sure? 
because if you are sure, then I'm going to do that, all right? Um, and I think that's, that was an amazing response from Amaldi, and, and I'm so grateful for being able to have uh, people like him who allow God to use them to make others better, right? Yeah. You know, I've spoken to others like Jabari, um, Amaldi, you know, and I've also spoken to my wife as well to keep me accountable uh, to make sure that when I start slipping back into that area of like, you know, I want to hold on to my comfort, that they're there to really challenge me and to remind me of this commitment that I've made to be better in my worship. You know, we need others to point out when we're not doing our best in these areas. This is how we become better. This is one of the ways that we become better. Church, my insecurities of, of, of being uncomfortable, you know, are the things that hinder my total worship to God. But it's not the only thing. You know, that's the truth about it. If, if one aspect of my worship to God is lacking, then my total worship to God is not where it should be and not where it could be. You know, I want to encourage you all to examine your worship to God. Pray to God for those areas that can be strengthened. And be open and honest with others that can help you keep, that can help and keep you accountable. Thank you. discipline to me was all of them. But since I don't have that much time, um, I will focus on surrender. So let's turn over to Matthew 16. So Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24 to 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever want to be my disciple must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So here Jesus lays out what it means to surrender. First he says, whoever wants to be my disciple. The first thing is, we have to be open to surrender. This is where it all starts. We have to choose surrender. Jesus said whoever wants to be my disciple, he didn't say all you guys have to be my disciple. So this is a choice that we have to make. This is amazing that Jesus gives us this opportunity um, to surrender to him, you know, to walk hand in hand through life with the creator of the universe. But as wonderful as that sounds, it goes against our stubborn, you know, sinful hearts that we have. So for those of us that's here that haven't made a decision to follow Jesus and to make him Lord of your life, to make that decision to surrender and follow, you have to admit that you have absolutely no clue what you're doing with your life. You need to admit that your life is totally jacked up. And you need to admit that the things that need to be fixed in your life can only be fixed by Jesus. That's a hard realization to come, come to, right, to make that decision. And now for those of us who've made a decision to follow Jesus, 
you know, us saints, as the Bible calls us, you know, us Christians, us holy folks, sanctified, you know, saved by the blood of the Lamb, you know, all those amazing things, right? Um, worshipers, all those beautiful things the Bible calls us. If we want to stay surrendered to Christ, what we need to do is admit that without Jesus, we have absolutely no clue what we're doing with our lives. Without Jesus, we are totally jacked up. And the fixing that we've seen happen in our lives is only because of our relationship with Jesus. So that's the first place. That's where we all need to start. Secondly, in the scripture, Jesus says they must deny themselves. This means to surrender what we want to do and embrace what Jesus wants us to do with our lives. Now I want you to think about your life for a moment, right? Think about what you do every day, day to day. Think about the conversations you have. Think about the things you think about all day. Think about the things that's most important to you. Now I want you to think to yourself, am I living the way Jesus wants me to live? Or am I living the way that I want to live? Right? Give yourself that. Just take a minute and think about that. Are you living how Jesus wants you to live? Or are you living how you want to live? When we said Jesus is Lord, we basically threw up our hands and said, you know what, Jesus, you take the will. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You're the driver. I'm going to be in the passenger seat. That's it. It's all on you. You take the will. So, you know, now, you know, and we need to make that decision not only one time when we decide to follow Christ, but we need to make that decision every day that we wake up. We need to make a decision to give Jesus the will. We need to make that decision sometimes multiple times in a day. You know what, Jesus? You take control of my life. I don't know what I'm doing. You take the will. So now I'm going to share with you guys um, how I recently had to repent in this area of surrender. Um, so we had been meeting, um, so we had been getting together with this guy, um, opening the Bible with him, you know, introducing him to Jesus, and I mean, him and Jesus, they really hit it off, you know, in the beginning, first started out, him and Jesus hit it off, relationship was going really well. Um, so, you know, we were going to sit down and meet with him one last time, um, you know, just to share with him some things that Jesus expects out of their relationship. You know, so we're sitting down with this guy and we're sharing those things. And it just started becoming clear that Jesus wasn't of first importance in this guy's life. Um, and then he came out and he said, you know what, guys? I'm not ready to do this right now because Jesus is not the most important thing to me. So this is what he said. So this guy was just not ready to surrender everything to Jesus, right? He was not ready for that. Now, this bothered me on many different levels. So I went home, you know, when I walked through the door, you know, I had that look on my face, and, you know, my wife, she's like, hey, what's wrong? And, you know, I tell her the story, and then I go in the room and go to bed. So it's like 4 in the afternoon, and I just went in the room. So that's what I do, right? When I'm having a rough day, I sleep. Like, some people eat, some people go to the gym, some people watch TV, I, I nap. So that's what I do, right? Rough day, I nap, that's how I get over it. So now when, I, when I'm in the room sleeping away my pain in my rough day, right, my beautiful wife calls up one of the fellas, right, puts him all in 
my business, right? I mean, she's like the biggest snitch, I'll tell you. I mean, a brother cannot struggle. I mean, like, can I struggle? Like, can I get a couple hours just to struggle and just woe is me? You know, like, let me live a little bit. So, you know, she jumps on the phone, calls one of the fellas. You know, so I wake up and I have a text message on my phone, hey, give me a call, right? So I'm like, okay, I, I know where this is going. Um, uh, so, you know, I place the call and we're discussing what happened during the day. And the next thing I know, I'm being called prideful. Um, you know, this brother, he's like, hey, yeah, same thing I'm saying, guys. He's like, you know, you know you're prideful. You know, you think you're in control. You need to understand that God is in control. You're not in control. God saves who you want to save. You know, he was like really going in on me. So my response was, no, I'm not prideful. I'm passionate, you know, about my work for the Lord. I'm passionate. I'm not prideful. Like, you got it mixed up. So, and he's like, he's like, you see, that's pride right there. So, you know, we went on, this went on for like 45 minutes to an hour, like back and forth, you know, we, we were like really getting into it, back and forth. And, you know, his point was that I wasn't surrendered to God's will. So I was in a situation where, you know, I mean, I had, I had great motives in the situation. I loved the guy. I wanted to see him come to Christ. He was so close to having this amazing relationship that, you know, I get to enjoy, that we all get to enjoy. You know, so I was hurt behind it, but the brothers, his point was, you need to surrender to God. Like, you don't want this guy saved more than God does. You need to surrender to God's will and not your will. Um, so that was his point. So, you know, once I hung up, now, I was thinking about our conversation for the rest of the day. Mind you, it was still in the afternoon, right, when I woke up. Um, so I'm thinking about the conversation all day. So, you know, nighttime comes, and it's time to go to sleep. So I'm trying to sleep, and I cannot sleep. I'm tossing and turning. and Like, you ever heard the phrase, like, wrestling with God, right? Like, Jacob really wrestled with God, but you know how you spiritually wrestle with God? That's what I was going through. Like, I'm, I'm like, tossing and turning, like, God, like... Am I surrendering to you, or, you know, is this my will, and, you know, do I really have more control of my life and this situation? So I'm going back all night, rough night, I slept maybe an hour, um, if that. But when I woke up, I felt relieved. Because during that night, God had revealed to me a bunch of areas of my life that I wasn't completely surrendered to Him. So God had took this situation, you know, that really had nothing to do with me. This situation was between him and the guy, right? But God took the situation to show me, like, look, man, you're not surrendered to me in a bunch of areas of your life. So I was no longer completely surrendered to God, and God showed me that. You know, I had started taking the will back from Jesus a little bit at a time. You know, I don't think these things happen overnight. They typically don't. But a little bit at a time, I had started taking control of my life taking the will back from Jesus. I started developing that mentality where if I do X, Y, and Z, then I expect X, Y, and Z to happen. Like, if I go to work and I work really hard, I expect a promotion. So that's the mentality I started having. And, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with having expectations. 
needed to develop the mentality of Colossians 3.23. So you guys can turn there with me. So Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not the human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So, when, when we have the mentality that I do X, Y, and Z and get X, Y, and I should get X, Y, and Z, that's not a surrendered mentality. That's not a person who surrendered. When we have the Colossians 3.23 mentality, where is that, you know what, I'm going to work hard as I can for the Lord, but the result is up to Him. Right? All I can do is worry about the work I'm putting in. God worries about the results. God worries about what happens to the work that I'm putting in. And that's the mentality that I have to get. So now really quickly, let's look at two really quick examples in the Bible. Um, one, of some, one of being surrendered and one of not being surrendered. So let's go to Matthew 4, 18 through 19. Um, 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So, no, you know, very, um, you know, we all know this scripture. So, Jesus called these guys um, and they followed immediately right these guys was completely surrendered to Jesus so this is an example like in our life imagine being at work right these guys were fishermen they were at work and you get a text and it's like from somebody you met or one of your friends and they're like hey um, can you come and like open the Bible with me and help me to get to know Jesus right what do you do Right? These guys was in that situation. So, you know, what these guys did, they went to their boss, right, and was like, hey, boss, I need a person new day. Right? I need to leave work right now. I need a person new day to go take care of something. Right? That's what they did. So, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, well, I could just wait till work is done, right? And I can get with them there. And that could be the case, but these guys could have probably waited till work was done as well, right? But they didn't do it. Um, Jesus knew that they was at work. Jesus could have waited until these guys finished work to say, come follow me. But he didn't do that, right? So whether you leave work or not, I don't know. But what I do know is when I look at the scripture, I see completely surrendered. Because these guys chose to follow Jesus when he called. So I see completely surrendered. And these guys right here. I don't know if the story would have been different if they would have said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to finish work first. I don't know how that would have turned out for them. But when I look at this, I see completely surrendered. So now let's look at another quick story really quickly of a guy who wasn't surrendered. Let's look at uh, Mark 10, 17 through 22. 
As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. This man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So here we have a guy who wanted to follow Jesus and wanted to make it to heaven. It seems like, and it seems like this guy was a really good person. Now, I've heard, you know, different sides of the story. I've heard people say that, you know, this guy was lying, right? He couldn't have been that good. I've heard people say that he was being prideful. He was just trying to justify himself. When I look at it, you know, Jesus didn't say, Jesus didn't call him out as being a liar, right? Jesus said, there's one thing that you like. And Jesus told him what that one thing was and told him to go do it. Um, but this guy, he couldn't do it. And he seemingly, he seemingly missed out on heaven because he could not surrender that one thing in his life. Now, if you're anything like me, right, at some point when you read this, you're thinking, man, like that's really tough, Jesus. Like one thing, like this guy was doing everything else right, and he didn't surrender one thing, and he can't go to heaven? Like, to me, that seems a little, you know, that seems a little tough, right? But we don't make the rules. Jesus makes the rules, right? So, I don't want to miss out on heaven because I didn't surrender to one thing, right? All it takes is one thing. I mean, the Bible calls us to surrender completely or not at all. There is no in-between. Completely or not at all. So, in closing, you know, I just think it's a good idea for us all to go home tonight, get on our knees and pray, and ask God, God, please reveal to me um, anything in my life that I'm not surrendered to you, right? And then once God reveals it, let's make it our business to attack that thing, right? Because we don't want to be left out like this guy over one thing that we knew of and we forgot to surrender. Have a good evening.